Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic interventions. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. On this episode of the LOL Pod, my guest Emma Schmidt and I discuss sex therapy, what it is, who it benefits, and many misconceptions. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. I'm very excited to have my guest with me today. She's a certified sex therapist and the owner of Emma Schmidt and Associates Sex and Relationship Therapy. Emma Schmidt, how are you? I'm so good. I'm very glad that we can do this and thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Conversation. Yes, I'm excited. So I am going to start with you like I start with all of my guests and ask, what is your labor of love? So, um, I, I asked my husband this last night, I'm like, what is that? I feel I went way too deep into this. I'm like, what is this? What does this mean? What is the root? Of this? So we started Googling. <laughs> um, so I think my labor, well, it's a few things, right? It, ultimately like kids, family, all of that stuff feel like labors of love. But what I used to tell people was if I were on a commune, I would still do what I do today for free because I love it so much, which is you know, sexual health and helping people feel, um, like increase that intimacy and decrease shame, decrease sexual shame and intimacy, I think, um, is such a huge labor of love for me, increasing that, whatever that looks like, even within yourself or with other people. And so my work is such a huge labor of love, but, um, yeah, definitely my kids and family too. Awesome. Thank you. So, when it comes to the avenue of your labor of love, that is kind of, you know, what I think what has been called in the past more blanketly, sex education, mm-hmm. right? Educating people about sex, their bodies, sexual health, and just kind of everything related to that. How did that become a thing for you? Your passion that's there, where would you say that's rooted? So whenever, so I've always been interested in human sexuality, but I went to a Christian university and, um, what I found was a lot of my, uh, friends who were there, they were really curious about sex and curious about sexuality. And, um, on the university where we were, we weren't really allowed to Google, uh, sexual content because it would be flagged and then you'd have to go to a counseling session And so I was really interested in trying to help educate them on, you know, what is sex and how do you do certain things and what are the body parts and where do things go? And that was really fascinating to me. Um, And so I felt like it started there. And then whenever I went to my master, got in my master's for counseling, well, I should say in my undergrad, I did have a mentor who allowed me to 
you know, create my own research and interview all these people on campus around premarital sex. And what we found was that 93% of the people that we had interviewed were having premarital sex on this Christian campus, but we weren't allowed to really talk about it or there wasn't really any guide for that. And so I found that really interesting. And then I got into um, Women Helping Women, which is a sex um, uh, assault and domestic violence place here in Cincinnati and really dove into that, which gave me a huge backbone for sexual trauma um, and domestic violence or inter, um, intimate partner violence. So that was really helpful. And whenever I got into my counseling program then at this university, I realized I, I wanted that sex therapy component that I felt like was missing. So I would drive down to Atlanta on the weekends and go to another school. So I would do my Cincinnati school during the weekdays. And then on the weekends, I would go down to Georgia and um, do the sex therapy school. But what I found was that my husband and I were, I know um, the word virgin is considered this social construct, you know, of, you know, what is really a virgin. And we hear it more in the Christian community, but neither of us had had intercourse before. And so whenever we got married, we found out that sex was very different than what we thought it was going to be. And uh, I wasn't able to have intercourse and it was incredibly painful. And we weren't able to find any resources around us to help us with that challenge. And so in a combination of that um, sexual challenge of we're not able to have intercourse and it's painful and we don't, we are not finding anybody who feels confident in this information, along with going to school for sex therapy, um, I was able to figure out that I really want to be able to provide resources for the Cincinnati community to, um, you know, help foster this help people understand they're not alone and how do, how can I help them get resources in an easier way, in a more accessible way? Um, how do we provide that information to, um, you know, to people here? And what happened was that I was doing that by myself as a solo practice for a while. And then I decided to open it up to a group practice because there was a pretty high demand for sex therapy clients. And I wanted to be able to reach a wider audience than I was. And so we started hiring people and trying to get them trained as sex therapists, people who wanted to be sex therapists, but didn't know how to do that. And so um, we started training them and getting them training for sex therapy so that we could help more people here in the Cincinnati area get that help, really that increasing intimacy and decreasing sexual shame piece. As we're in this Bible Belt area, there's a ton of sexual shame. And so, um, so yeah, that is, there are lots of different components from my past that definitely helped uh, push me in this direction. And I really couldn't imagine doing anything else. I love it. Thank you. That That is so, yes, I appreciate all of that. I do have a question mm -hmm. for you. So pre-undergrad, right? It's like you come into this environment um, and I'm going to make an assumption that feels safe, but you end up at a Christian university, chances are there is some history with Christianity prior to just getting to college. I would make that assumption, but I could be wrong. So I am curious, what was like, you, you kind of were this revolutionary in the undergrad space of like, I want to help people understand this. And there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of silence. There was a lot of, you know, all of that happening. 
what would you say were some of the experiences that you had before you got to undergrad that made you feel interested and equipped to to want to do that for your peers? Well, I don't know. I, I've before um, undergrad, I would say that I was, so I'm a four Enneagram, if anybody knows Enneagram. So I'm an individualist. I loved, you know, just doing my own thing. So there's, there's definitely a part of me that didn't have a lot of peer pressure or wasn't, uh, you know, that people pleasing peer pressure piece. And so whenever I, um, how do I say this? I wasn't really interested in fitting into the mold. I was more interested in this thing that like stuck out to me. And so it wasn't that there was anything specific coming into undergrad. It was more um, that I kind of sat back and was an observer and I noticed these like sexual energies that I would see in people who felt like they had to um, you know, sell themselves in a way, what we call maybe love and sex addiction, where I have to give sex to others to be able to receive this love. And I saw that all throughout high school, um, from people. So I think as an observer of, you know, who knew I was like a little psychologist, like whenever <laughs> a sociologist, uh, in high school. So I think it was just like sitting back and observing and then noticing even in college, the repercussions of that, of, um, you know, uh, this shame that was pretty present throughout our school and that I think um, I didn't really understand what shame really was or have a name for it until later. Um, so yeah, I think it was just noticing that and, and that common theme that I felt through, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, you know, in society through adults that I observed and then experienced, you know, in undergrad as well. Okay, thank you, that's helpful. And I can totally see that from a four. As a two and a recovering shapeshifter and people pleaser, I can't even fathom the world you just talked about. I'm like, where you navigated the world not trying to fit in the mold? What? what, what does that even, what? Okay, I mean, I guess it's a thing. No, I believe that it's so interesting in my recovery um, how much, um, how ingrained into how I've navigated the world for a very long time that that is and how I've learned to pause, notice when it's happening, non-judgmentally and be like, oh, okay, there it is and choose a different path. And so I, I'm, I'm content with my journey, but to have an instinctual way of living your life that is outside of worrying what people may or may not be thinking about you is just like, wow, that there is definitely a level of freedom and refreshment. So I just appreciate that that was part of you, part of your life. Um, I'll say that um, that wasn't not, not a part of my life or whatever, you know, the wording is. Um, I definitely, you know, have the whole imposter syndrome and all the things mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. come to a two is the helper. Is that right? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I can see how the helper is really ingrained then in that, like, how do I make sure that I'm pleased and I'm not an expert in Enneagram, but I'm always really interested in hearing, I'm so fascinated in people's backstory and um, how they become that Enneagram, even though I don't really know as much about it. With you, I always say it's ocean deep and I got like a toe in, 
definitely not an expert, but I think it adds so much interesting texture oh, to yeah. conversations, especially relationally. So I love that. So can you tell us a little bit about how your work shows up in the present? You know, when you say you're a sex therapist and like, what does that mean? Because I, I would imagine that there are people who've never heard of a sex therapist. And I also, you're also um, going through a doctorate program to become a clinical sexologist. And I just like the word sexologist. Like, I just think it sounds cool, but I know that it's more than just a cool sounding word. So tell us a little bit about what your work entails and what you're working towards. Yeah. You know, so I was in a PsyD program before for um, clinical psychology. And I kept wondering, like, I asked my mentor then, I said, uh, who was my advisor, I'll, I'll say in that program. And I'm like, I think I should not do this and do a clinical sexology. And she's like, no, 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 you need to be a psychologist because that's more over, you know, all encompassing, all encompassing. That program ended up, um, you know, two years into it shutting down, the board decided to shut it down. And, um, you know, now years later, I did, I'm in a PhD program for clinical sexology. So it feels like it all kind of worked out the way it was supposed to. And, you know, this is what I love to do. And this is the clientele that I see. So a sex therapist is someone, uh, I get a lot of questions about what it is, right? Is it sex surrogacy where like, do you have sex with your clients? We do not have sex with our clients. Um, though that is a type of work that some people do, um, which can honestly be so I have ADHD and I'm going to go off on a lot of different tangents right now. I love tangents. Uh, so there's this really good movie called, uh, I don't actually remember what it's called, but I think it's called surrogate with um, Helen Hunt, where she's the, she's the person who has sex, the sex worker. Um, and there's this guy who has this, um, who isn't able to, he's paralyzed from like the waist down, but he, I wish I could remember what diagnosis he had, but he's had this his whole life. He's able to receive erections, but he's, but no one's ever like helped him do that. And so um, this woman comes in and she allows for a more like body, uh, body work type of experience to help him know how to have, get an erection. And so that's what like a sex surrogate would, kind of the idea of what a sex surrogate would help you do. So it's kind of like the merger between a body worker and a sex therapist. So anyways, we don't do that work. Does this have, did, did she use his thumbs? Were thumbs a part of that in any way? I feel like I saw that movie. I just remember being like, more people need to see this movie to understand what sex surrogacy is because it really changed my mind on what people do. I, I feel like I saw that movie and I feel like it has something to do with his thumbs, but yeah, it was a very interesting movie that gave me a perspective that I had no clue like existed. So, okay, I, yeah. I will follow you down every rabbit hole. Go ahead. Good. I'm about to go down another one. So there's this book that came out by... Um, Oh man. Okay. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember what it is, but, um, it came out by a guy who's really famous and, um, the whole book was just about being curious. Like if you think, you know, what, if you have assumptions about anything, like really take a step back and just be really, really curious about that before you make any more assumptions. And so, um, that, that is one of those areas where I had made a lot of assumptions and then I started diving more into it. And I'm like, man, it's so much better to be curious, to understand first before making a judgment call. So anyways, sex therapy is, <laughs> uh, talk therapy, uh, but in discussing sexual concerns. So sexual concerns could be, 
um, sexual performance anxiety, so sexual pain, vaginismus, erectile dysfunctions, premature ejaculation. It could be that you have mismatched libido or desire discrepancies. So um, your partner wants sex more than you do. It could be sexual trauma. It could Imaginous be- gotta go back. I know I'm not the only person that has never heard that word before. <laughs> okay, yes, we're going back to that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it could be, that's what my dissertation is on. So I will educate you all. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, it could be that there's infidelity, you're opening up your relationship, polyamory. Um, it could be that you are wanting to, you know, explore other areas of your sexuality or just understanding your own sexuality, that you um, are trying to understand your sexual identity and how that works with a new relationship or your body dysmorphia with trans. So there's so many different areas. So sex therapy is actually a huge um, umbrella, but within that, what we do is talk therapy. Um, and it looks like traditional talk therapy, but there's a lot more behavioral aspects to it. So we usually provide a lot of homework just because of that behavioral part, along with um, incorporating other types of therapies like emotion-focused therapy or Gottman therapy or um, EMDR. So um, sex therapy in a nutshell is talk therapy around a sexual concern. Got it. So um, that that was a lot. Mm-hmm. So would you say that most ser- sex therapists are generalist within the sex therapy realm or do sex therapists then usually hone in on one of those or a few of those specific things that you just named? Yeah. So um, it's like with any any type of profession, like if you go to your GP or your general practitioner and your foot is hurt, they're probably going to send you to an orthopedic person, right? Because they, they know then to send you to an orthopedic person. It's the same thing with, you can go to a general therapist and they can say, oh, my competency really isn't much further down than this. And so I want you to go to a sex therapist. It's the same with sex therapy. So my um, niche within sex therapy is sexual health related. And so I work with the sexual pain, with performance anxiety, with, um, you know, vaginismus. And that is an area that I'm very much an expertise in, but I wouldn't say that I'm, what's something, Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert in, um, I mean, I'm semi-expert in open relationships, but I wouldn't say that that's been my life study for instance. Mm -hmm. And so if there's someone next door who is, then um, I would say like, hey, I think this person would be really a good fit for you based on that. So um, it's really cool in our group practice, everyone really enjoys doing different things within the sex therapy community. And so there's so many different specialties within that sex therapy within our group, um, which makes us, I think, a really well-rounded, yeah, team. Gotcha. Okay. So talk to us about your dissertation in vaginismus. Did I say that right? Because yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so um, this is the piece that, uh, so whenever I was first married, this is what I was experiencing was, was called vaginismus. And many people don't know about it still, but uh, many people experience it. So vaginismus is being, um, having a difficult time having intercourse or an impossible time having intercourse. So penetration is 
either challenging or, or impossible. And that is because in our pelvic floor area, so your pelvic floor is, it's like a hammock from your pubic bone to your like lower back area, if you think about that. And if you had a visual, like my arm would be up like um, kind of in a U shape in a hammock. And the, if, you're, if your arm is up, your hand would be the pubic bone and your shoulder would be like your anus area. And then like the fold where your um, elbow is, is where your genitals are. So that whole like U shape is your pelvic floor. And there are three muscles that are there. And when those, when we experience anxiety or tension or whatever, um, those muscles there can contract in a way where it shuts off and closes off your vaginal entryway and vaginal canal. So that penetration um, can't happen. Like it's almost like, it's almost like your anus where it's like squeezed tight. And that's um, what the vaginal entryway or canal ends up doing. So there are three muscle groups there that can contract and make it difficult. Um, and that's what vaginismus is. So in the DSM, which is the, you know, the book of diagnosing, uh, that some of us use or don't use. <laughs> and uh, there's, a, there's a diagnosis in there called genital pelvic pain and penetration disorder. And they've merged vaginismus with this other diagnosis called dyspareunia. And dyspareunia is sexual pain. So um, the DSM said, you can't really have vaginismus without also having sexual pain. So we're just gonna merge them together, even though they are very separate in a lot of ways. So um, when you're squeezing, I'm about to get real technical again. So in your brain, um, you have these different parts that make you function the way that you do. And there's this part of the brain called the limbic system, which has your emotions. There's another part of that limbic system that has the amygdala and that's fight or flight, that's fear, that's anxiety. And when that is stimulated, so if I have a fear or I'm nervous about going in to have sex, that gets fired off and sends a signal all the way down our spinal cord into our pelvic floor. And we start to activate that muscle, that pelvic floor muscle. And so when we're activating that pelvic floor muscle, it starts to contract and our muscles start to close up or it can create knots. Kind of like when you get knots in your back and you go to get a massage. Well, our pelvic floor can also do that. And that's what creates pain in our pelvic floor area. Or if you're nervous about having sex, and um, like many men have experience where they go and they're nervous to have sex with their partner and they're not able to get an erection. Um, a lot of times it's because that pelvic floor is squeezed up and the blood flow can't get to the penis because blood flow is all about, or erections are all about blood flow. And so when that's contracted, then the penis isn't able to get erect and it really has to do with our mind. So if we're able to you know, understand that and identify how our mind is impacting our body. So that mind-body connection, it can be a game changer for our sex life. Thank you for that. <laughs> Um, in so many ways. I want to come back to the mind-body connection in a minute. Um, and, you know, I am a trauma specialist, right? So as I'm hearing this, I can think of so many traumatic experiences that a person could have had mm -hmm. that can lead to this. But I am also curious, 
which I love that. Uh, my word has been curiosity for a long time. You don't know what you think you know. I'm yeah. talking to me, I'm talking to everybody. You don't know what you think you know. And so my curiosity are, you know, I'm sure this can happen outside of trauma. So when you are working with someone or there's someone listening and they're like, oh my God, like I feel seen right now for the first time. Um, are there things that lead to vaginismus and, and things outside of trauma or do you feel that they're all kind of trauma related? Just talk a little bit about cause, if you will. Yeah, so I don't know if you, do you do EMDR? I do. Okay, so in my training, one of the things that I felt really profound about was that they had said, anything that feels distressing that got stuck in your short-term memory is trauma. Mm -hmm. And so we think of like, a lot of people think trauma is like, I got hit by a bus and I survived that, you know, like that that's trauma. And it used to be called big T and little t trauma, but now it's just like trauma is trauma. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I think that's exactly right. So if it feels distressing to you, but it happened, you know, whenever, like that's trauma, like that's an aspect of trauma. So a lot of what I see is, you know, um, the language that was used around sex growing up or the absence of talking about sex growing up or the religious piece about sex growing up or, um, you know, I'll have somebody come in and say, our parents said that, um, you just rub against each other to have sex and that's what we've been doing. So there's never been penis and vagina because we thought just rubbing up against each other was what intercourse was. So, um, you know, it's not just sexual abuse and or sexual assault that we think about when it comes to tra trauma. It can be just like a lack of education that creates that vaginismus of, I don't know what I'm doing, like the unknown, that's anxiety, the sphere of the unknown. Um, that can create that tension in your pelvic floor area. So um, a lot of it has to do with our perception of what we're going in with and how that then um, creates a certain sensation within our body. Yeah, thank you so much. And I, I really appreciate like coming back to this idea that we, we people, love to put a hierarchy on adverse experience and trauma. And so there are so many people who have like, no, I've never had trauma. And I'm like, okay, so let, <laughs> all right, hey, I, I'm going to, I'm going to meet you where you are. And yes, those distressing experiences, they do get caught, not just in short-term memory, but then they are lodged in our bodies and, and they manifest in so many yeah. different ways. And we can't look at the person next to us and compare our lives and say, oh, well, this wasn't trauma, trauma because they've had it so much worse. Well, we can't look to the other side and say, Psh, their life has been perfect. They didn't go through what I go through. We have to understand that it is such an individualized experience and it leads to the beliefs and the worldviews and the behavioral patterns that play out in our lives constantly. And so I appreciate you for, for bringing that up. I also, I cannot remember where I'm trying to pinpoint where this conversation was coming from, but it was this idea of um, like people have such a wide variety of sexual experience and inexperience that I think we sometimes just don't think about that. And so when you were bringing up like, you know, a couple, let's say married, right? And they'll say, oh, well, we always thought that rubbing up against each other was sex. Mm -hmm. To some people that could seem completely absurd. Like what? 
that that's crazy but let's think about it you don't know what you don't know and whatever every child thinks their life is normal and so they have something to compare it to right Mm -hmm. so whatever experience you've been given some people have been exposed to pornography since utero like legit right they have an understanding of what goes where well before developmentally and maturationally they should but then there are people who have a complete absence of that information and and don't know a whole lot and so what would you say i mean i know my answer to this but who who could benefit from sex therapy who would you say would make a good candidate for seeing a a, a sexual specialist yeah um, well, as a therapist, I want to be curious about what your answer is. <laughs> so I'm like, your answer. Um, I'll so, share my answer when you're done. <laughs> but as the interviewee, um, so every honestly, everybody could benefit from sex therapy. And That's what my I answer. Say, okay. <laughs> so my uh, what I think is that even if you are the greatest people at sex, you can always learn something about the other person. So um, what I love what I think is so important in life is that you have goals for a lot of different areas of your life. Otherwise you in a way become stagnant. And so that's the same with sex. So I think even just coming in for a session and I'm not, I mean, you can, I just think it can be fun to come in for a session, but um, to find out, you know, are we communicating? Okay. Uh, Are we actually having the type of sex that we both want? Is there something that we want to spice up the relationship? Is there something that we're not talking about, which is usually the case. I'll see people who, you know, have been married for 40 years and have never talked about sex before. And this is a very common experience. Um, And so is there anything, my biggest question is like, is there anything holding you back from where you want to be? And what is that? And that really ultimately is kind of your goals. Um, Is there a place that you're wanting to be that you're not right now? And so if you can ask yourself that or ask your partner that, um, But to come back, uh, I think sex therapy can be something where you heal from something, something where you're wanting to just, you know, have fun with it or um, just get to know your partner better. There's so many aspects to it that I think are just really beautiful and cool. Um, And at the end of the day, create that intimate experience. So intimacy is knowing and being known. So if you feel like I feel known by my partner and I feel like they, I let them know me and I know them, then, then I think that is a big piece of, um, of what sex therapy is all about. And as an individual, so this is for singles too, knowing yourself and not relying on other people to define your worth, that you know yourself well enough that you can invite somebody into that and have, you know, appropriate boundaries, um, but you're not getting that worth from someone else that you have that worth within yourself, um, I think is also a key piece to sex therapy as well. Yeah, I love it. And that was my answer. I think everyone could benefit from sex therapy. Um, I've sent tons of referrals your way, you know, because it's like, I definitely can help people. uh, I love multi-generational families. That's my jam. Like couples too. And I can work with these couples to say, let's explore the lived experiences that you've both had. Let's explore what you have absorbed from those experiences and the beliefs, worldviews, and behaviors that have come from those and how that is impacting your relationship together. 
And then after we get this kind of understanding and we understand that those little children still exist in us and this whole thing, then there comes a point when I'm like, now nah, you need to go to Emma Schmitz and Associates <laughs> because they're going to help take you to that next level. I don't even pretend you know, to be able to, to do the sex therapy work, but I can say it's beneficial. I also love that you mentioned that it's not just couples work that there that individuals can go in to begin to get curious within themselves to explore these many things. And I think sex therapy, like other therapy is it's not just to solve a problem. It can be, but you don't have to have something that's wrong in order for you to go. But I do think that's a cultural phenomenon we have, right? Vacations are the last result when a person can't take it anymore. Oftentimes, Mm -hmm. like I am at my wits end, I'm about to lose my job, I'm about to, you know, hurt my family, I need a vacation. I need us to realize that we don't have to wait till we get there to take a vacation, to take time away, to explore and have fun. And so I, I absolutely love that aspect of it. Talk to us a little bit about where you see Emma Schmidt and Associates going. What's the overall kind of like hope and mission of Emma Schmidt and Associates? Yeah, so the overall mission really is that increasing intimacy, decreasing shame. And um, the more that we focus on that, I think the more we're able to get to the core of what people like healing and moving forward with people. Um, The other mission is being able to provide more resources around this for people in our community, specifically um, Cincinnati, tri-state area. And so um, whatever that looks like, we want to be able to either hook you up with someone, provide you with that resource, uh, get you in touch with a sex medicine doctor, pelvic floor therapist, whatever that is, like that is our goal is to make sure that you're getting the help that, that you need and that you deserve. Um, and so that is our biggest piece is providing resources for you kind of like us, you know, we're not social workers, but kind of like a social worker. Um, but also being able to give you the tools for, for yourself as an individual and as, um, the relationship or relationships. So, um, that's where we're at. It's not necessarily to grow the business. It's just to grow the resources that the community needs. And if that means growing the business, that means being able to help more people in the community. So ultimately it's community first and then the business kind of meets that need, however that looks. That's awesome. Thank you. And I, I know that there are not, I don't, I know it's not exclusive, exclusive, but there are not a lot of sex therapists in the Cincinnati area. Am I, am I accurate with that? Yeah, there's, um, there aren't a lot, but the ones that are here are really excellent. They're really great. And so it's really good to, if you're looking for a sex therapist, looking for someone who has training in sex therapy, you're allowed to call yourself a sex therapist, but, you know, really looking for someone who has training or is certified in sex therapy, you can find that by going to asect.org. Uh, so that's A-A-S-E-C-T.org. Um, but everybody who, who practices sex therapy that has training in this area is, you know, you can't go wrong with them. And so it's, uh, it's really, Im- for me, it's important to n- note that uh, it's not just about coming to us as a group practice. It's any of the sex therapists in the area are really great and I love them all. So 
it's finding who's going to be the best fit for you and your personality and your lifestyle and your family um, and being able to, you know, dive into the therapy. Thank you. I think one aspect that I really love that you just did, which is totally, so one of the taglines for my business is the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Like this is not a competition. And I love that you're able just to be like, look, it ain't about coming to me or us specifically, but being able to highlight that there is a group of people who specialize in helping people to address some of these issues that are sometimes very difficult to talk about, sometimes extremely taboo. Um, I can be in a therapeutic relationship with someone for quite a while before they feel comfortable and safe enough to bring up uh, sexual concerns or issues. And I, I, being that I'm a trauma specialist and people know that, people are, they will talk about maybe sexual abuse or sexual assault with me uh, a little quicker, but just, feelings of insecurity and their bodies and painful sex, or I don't like having sex or my partner, it can take a really long time before they feel comfortable and safe enough to do that. And so what I really appreciated about you being with us today is to shed a very nice spotlight on the fact that there are people who are equipped and professionally trained uh, to help a multitude of issues when it comes to sexual health and things like that. And so I very, very much appreciate that. Emma, if someone was listening today and they decided, I want to be curious and they want to lean into asking questions or looking for resources or even booking a session, how can people find you and get in touch with you? Um, yes. So they can find us on our website, which is emma-schmidt.com. Um, they can find us on our Instagram, which is Emma Schmidt Sex Therapy, on Facebook, Emma Schmidt Sex Therapy Relationship, and wait, Sex and Relationship Therapy, I don't even know the text. Um, and then we also secretly have a YouTube page where we just post up videos that's, uh, that are years, years long, but um, you can also... Uh, the reason why I don't advertise the YouTube page is because I spelled my name wrong and they don't let you change your name, but I have all these videos. <laughs> so I'm going to do something with that later when I have uh, time. So those are ways that you can contact us and find us and find out more information. And our biggest piece is that we have this, um, this model of, we want to be able to provide a fee for service, which is coming into therapy, but we also want to be able to provide free services to the community where people might not be able to um, access therapy, whether they can't afford it, or they just don't have time or whatever that might be. And so we really try and use our social media and now are creating a bigger platform on our um, website that is, uh, will be launched soon for, um, being able to get those resources online for free. And we do free community Q&A. So if you ever have a question, um, we try and address those in the community as well. So we want people to really have access to uh, this type of information from a lot of different platforms. So feel free to reach out if you have a question, but you're just not able to, or you don't have the resources to do therapy. We want to still be able to get that information to you. So um, we have some different tier options to get that information to the community. So our website and then social media is a way for people to get a hold of us. 
Awesome. We will definitely have all of that contact information in our show notes uh, so that people can access that. Um, and as we, you know, get ready to close out, I always like to ask my guests to uh, provide a little known, fun, or interesting fact about themselves. So what you got for us? Um, so what people don't know uh, is that I used to be a golfer and then I tried to be a professional golfer for a while. <laughs> and so that's something fun that I thought I was going to be a professional golfer growing up. And um, who knew that I would actually be a sex therapist? That seems quite the leap, but I love it. <laughs> Emma, thank you so very much. Um, We've actually been trying to coordinate for a very long time uh, and our schedules uh, just did not allow for that. So, you know, I'm very excited that here in the beginning of 2021, uh, you are kind of helping me begin the kickoff of the year, you know, in various ways this month. So, so glad that you were here. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. I want to give a special shout out to Trey Angel, who provides all of the music for the Labors of Love podcast, to my producer, Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media, and as always, to you, my guests, for listening. If you have suggestions for guests or content, please don't hesitate to reach out to our website, www.thelaborsoflove.com. Don't forget, we are on all the major social media outlets and check out our very new Instagram page specifically for the podcast, the underscore LOL underscore pod. And as usual, don't forget to give us that five-star rating, write us a review and share the podcast with those you love. Until we connect again, you all be well.